There were a whole bunch of Catholic ministers that came and met with some Protestants at a meeting. Meeting didn't go so well. They got tossed out the window. Jeez. There's a long tradition of this. Hello, listeners. This is Andy Steves with the Andy Steves Travel Podcast. Today, I have William Lobkowitz Jr. on the phone. The Lobkowitz family is a noble family that dates back up to 700 years here in the Bohemian region. The Lobkowitz family returned after being booted not once but twice from the Czech Republic, first by the Nazis and second by the communists. William Lobkowitz Sr. came back after the Velvet Revolution just after 1990 and basically collected and curated all the different family artifacts that had been dispersed around the country. I'm really excited to have this personal take on this history. I hope you enjoy. And without further ado, here we go. Sharing tips, tricks, and tales from around the globe, this is Travel for the Next Generation. You're listening to the Andy Steves Travel Podcast. Episode number 12. All right, this is Andy Steves with the Andy Steves Travel Podcast, and I have my friend Will Lobkowitz Jr. on the phone. He and I go way back, close to 10 years, when I first came to Prague. I think I met up with you and your family uh, after my dad shared a story about meeting young Will Lobkowitz Jr. selling ice cream out of the family uh, palace in the Prague Castle. And it's just, you've come a long ways. Now you're studying at Harvard, I believe. And anyways, we got so much stuff to talk about, Will. Um, Thank you so much for joining me on this phone call here. And uh, I'm excited to connect with you. It's been a little while. Good to see you, Andy. Thanks. uh, Thanks for having me. Nice. So you are in uh, Boston, is that right these days? Correct. Yes. I'm studying here. I'm a junior at Harvard, studying history at the moment. What's your span there? Central European history. Go figure. It's perfect. What a surprise. (laughs) (laughs) We're laughing because people know Will's family, not from the travel world, but the Lobkowitz family is a noble bohemian family, if I understand correctly. And I'd love to kind of get the the historic perspective on your family. Obviously, that's generations. But uh, Will, your your name holds weight in uh, here in Prague. And I'd love to just kind of hear your side of the story on what exactly that that means. And if we can get just a taste of of the Lobkowitz family story. That'd Absolutely. be great. I know that's a big, uh, you know, subject, but where do we start here? Well, you have to um, you have to try to condense the history down uh, as best you can. One strange thing you'll find if you ever visit Prague is that things have incredibly long stories to them, complicated histories that have gone through all sorts of different periods. With my family, I come from a 700-year-old Bohemian family. We ruled as chancellors of Bohemia for a long period of time. We were made princes of the Holy Roman Empire by Rudolf II, who was quite famous in Prague for moving the court of the Holy Roman Empire to Prague, and had a long history, married a lot of rich women, uh, which helped us out a lot, Uh, were on the right sides of a lot of wars, and were doing quite fine. And then eventually, we experienced some tumultuous periods. In 1939, as Hitler was rising to power, as we were moving towards the Munich Pact, my great-grandmother was on a train in the northern part of Czechoslovakia, and she overheard two Nazi officers talking about the invasion of Prague. And she quickly wired a message to my great-grandfather, who had been speaking out openly against Hitler, 
and they left on the last train leaving Prague before the Nazis invaded. During that time period, my great-grandfather it was in London during the war, for, serving for the Czechoslovak government in exile. And my grandfather and his two brothers went over to um, went over to Boston to avoid the blitz that was going on in London at the time. So after the war, we come back for three years, and the communists take over after that. And that leads <laughs> to a period of 40 years after that of uh, communism where we were not welcome as well. So we experienced a lot of up and ups and downs there. And then finally in 1989, under the leadership of Václav Havel, the Velvet Revolution occurred, and he encouraged Czechs from all around the world to return back to their country and rebuild it. My father was quite inspired by a lot of Václav Havel's words, was really inspired by the man, everything he had done, had also been a student of history, like myself, and he decided to come back and go through the restitution process of reclaiming a lot of our family properties. This included 10 castles, a winery, forestry, and things that had been left behind for about 65 years without care. The Nazis had turned one of the castles into a Hitler youth camp. After that, an SS training camp. The communists just left things in stored paintings and cellars under terrible conditions. Jeez. So now what, what we've been trying to do is rebuild this old family legacy as best we can. But we see ourselves taking on a very different role now as um, curators and custodians rather than old aristocratic landowners. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very important distinction to make. And Will, thank you so much for that, uh, you know, front to back family history. Yeah, sure. I think you just covered 700 years of, uh, of history right there. That's impressive. Now, I want to kind of rehash just a couple parts of that. I was trying to do my homework. And one of the first kind of notes of your ancestry, at least on, on Wikipedia, I know it's Wikipedia, but um, is just a, a squire or just some normal person it sounds like who who does something for a for some powerful people they over time he gets and the family just gets awarded uh, uh more power and more property and then you have a series of kind of marrying up at least it seems i'd love to get your kind of take on that is that is that the case or is that just a, a misperception on my part well the origins of the family is hard to um hard to kind of trace. I'm not sure about the Wikipedia article, actually, um, <laughs> the truth of it entirely. But we always say there are three things you have to do in order to move up um, in life. Uh, you have to be a Catholic, you have to be on the right sides of the wars, and marry a lot of rich titled women. That is how you made it up the entire time. Um, and if anyone says differently, they're lying. Uh, Those are good words to live by. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know if I'll live by those those uh, tenants in my life, uh, but we'll we'll see what happens. I don't know which wars I should be fighting in either, um, yeah. but that's how the whole thing kind of progressed. You must have some of the most incredible adventure stories that that has been passed down through gen the generations and and otherwise. Um, do any come to mind? There is one which is quite uh, a great story. So you may have heard of the Thirty Years' War, which was a conflict that happened between the Roman Catholics and the Protestants, mm -hmm. a very tumultuous period in Prague at the time. We uh, were on the Roman Catholic side, and uh, we were strong supporters of them. And there is a lady called Polixena, who was a fantastic woman who married the first Prince Lobkowitz. And she was in the Lobkowitz Palace when the defenestration of Prague was taking place. This was mm. a famous event where 
there were a whole bunch of Catholic ministers that came and met with some Protestants at a meeting. Meeting didn't go so well. They got tossed out the window. Are, <laughs> I'm in the process of writing up my sidebar for my guidebook um, to, to highlight in the Prague chapter of uh, to explain what this Czech tradition of defenestration is. <laughs> it's fantastic. I, I plan to do it someday as well. Toss a couple people out the window. So there's a lot of folklore on what actually happened to these men when they fell out. Some people say angels caught them and they floated them in the air and they landed softly on the ground because they were divine. Um, another story is that they landed in horse manure, um, which is the story that goes around Prague and is most most people believe. Mm-hmm. So anyway, they had a softer landing, we will say. And, and they survived. They so survived. it was an unsuccessful defenestration as they go. Unsuccessful, very unsuccessful. And this infuriated the Protestants. They really wish they had put a little bit more force behind that push. <laughs> what happened right after that is they ran to the Lopkowitz Palace, actually, because they knew Polixena was a devout Catholic and would protect them. And so the Protestants come in a big horde with guns, swords and are trying to find these three ministers. And the old family story is that Polixena actually hid them under her dress, which would I'm imagining would be very unfortunate if they had landed in horse manure. And she <laughs> saved and she saved the ministers from uh, their demise. And this would have been one of those classic uh, big old uh, dresses. Is this one of those Correct. super wide ones that was like trendy at the time? High exactly. Fashion? It was it was huge. It would it, they, she would have had a very big skirt basically, and um, there would be something holding it up in place. <laughs> wow, man! Stories like that. I mean, must just it, it's so easy to kind of assign anonymity to the 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 stories of history, you know. Mm-hmm. But for for you, it's really interesting to to be able to interact with that and have kind of some lifelines back to stories that everybody hears. I mean, you go on a walking tour in Prague, and they're going to talk about defenestration. Yep. That means being thrown out a window after an argument, basically. And I think there's been three cases in Prague. Um, the first one was successful because they had pikemen waiting below, as I understand, um, to, to provide a, a, a pokier landing. Um, the second one was unsuccessful. And then I think the Nazis threw some people Correct. out. Or- Correct. Uh, the Nazis had done some as well. I mean, my um, actually our chief archivist who had been working for us at one of our properties, he got defenestrated as well um, by the communists. Jeez. There's a long tradition of this. And I was with a guide who was sharing the story. And he's like, yeah, it's one of the reasons it's popular is because it does a good job of distributing guilt. I mean, you know, it, it takes like <laughs> five, six, 10, 12 guys to throw a guy out a window. And and it's not they didn't actually kill the person. Gravity killed the person. But, you know, they just kind of helped him out onto a space where gravity could take over, um, which, of course, is a stretch. But that is interesting how that's uniquely a uh, Czech institution, it seems like. Yeah. <laughs> This episode of Andy Steve's Travel is brought to you by our new guidebook, Andy Steve's Europe, City Hopping on a Budget. It's available online and in stores now. This guidebook highlights the key information you need to know about our favorite cities like top sites, delicious restaurants, crazy nightlife venues, clubs, basically all to help you maximize your time, fun, and budget while traveling through Europe. Check it out on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and of course, your local bookstore. Andy Steve's Europe, city hopping on a budget. Happy travels.
Another thing I wanted to touch on with you, especially is your family over time came into quite a number of properties. Um, I don't know if there was a max number at one point. Do you know? I'd say it varied at times. Um, we held lands in Poland as well, had a lot of territory there. But I think at most, I think we've had 13 castles at most. And that land always varies as well. And comes and goes through the generations and through different issues that might come up. In downtown Prague, it seems like you have the or the family had the 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 palace in the castle, and then also maybe another uh, building or property uh, in town somewhere as well. True, um, but this would have belonged to another branch of the family. I see. So you also have the many many different cousins and branches. Um, whenever I come back, there's always a cousin I ran run into that I didn't know I had. <laughs> <laughs> and my um, my father always say, "Oh, Will, well, have you met your cousin, um, Gerhardt or Vladimir? I don't know, whoever it may be." So, and these are people from countries that made up the former Austrian Empire mm -hmm, that still mm -hmm. live in those places as well. I see. But now the palace in the castle is more of a tourist site. So right. the, the point that I want to get to is, you know, you go through a lot of stuffy museums throughout Europe. But what I love about the Lobkowitz Palace experience is that you can go in and you can listen to the narration. I think it was done by your dad. Right. And he recounts personal history and personal stories about this art, about these portraits, the family tree um, and artifacts like small dinner cannons and suits of armor and original. Is it Beethoven um, script or yes. Beethoven manuscripts? Yeah. yeah. And so like you have a lot of this first primary source history right in front of you and you get to walk through that with a personal narration of someone from the family as you look out over the Prague Castle. I think that's a pretty cool experience. It's a, it's a great experience. What we were trying to do when creating the museum as well was look for a way to make history come to life as best we can. We have different members of the family as well um, that narrate the audio guide. Um, we have my grandmother, who's actually from Lexington, Kentucky, who my Czech grandfather had married, and she'll chime in with a southern accent in the dog room, for instance, um, which is always very interesting to hear. We have my mother as well, who helped curate a lot of the exhibition and was crazy enough to marry my father and come back to this crazy country. Mm -hmm. Then we have my grandfather and other curators as well. It really helps bring everything to life. When you're looking at a Beethoven manuscript and listening to the music as well, that's a very important part of that, I think. Yeah, absolutely. What's funny is always walking by certain pieces and remembering different stories behind the, the individual pieces themselves, whether it be a piece of taxidermy, for instance, that my father had put on his head and tried just kind of walking around with a boar on his head. There are also like pieces of furniture that might have a little broken part or something like that, and I'll know how that happened. Um, I know the guilty parties behind certain things as well. Not saying that's me. Not at all. Not at all. When I again, when I was doing some background reading, one of the first castles, one of the first properties that was awarded a member of your family, it's it's the Hasestein Castle. Is that right? With with our family, it was um, Ronitsa Castle. Ronitsa Castle. I got in, uh, which was the ducal residence of the family. It's so fascinating to to think about castles just being in ruins and everything, but these are these are kind of Renaissance palaces. That's true. Uh, well, Ronitsa, for instance, was built in 1200 mm -hmm. um, and eventually went through a complete reconstruction into more of a um, Rococo building. And that's gone through 
a huge history. It's a 250-room castle, and to this date, we still hold on to it, and we're still looking for purposes for it at this moment in time. I, I talk about castles coming in and land, wineries, breweries. It's all great and fun, but um, you can imagine how much it costs to uh, keep up a normal house. That was my next question. I mean, it is immensely expensive to keep these properties up, right? And yep. and you have to keep them up. Otherwise, it's much more expensive to repair them. And, and it's really easy for them to fall into disrepair. So you and your family have kind of consolidated a lot of properties and then turned other ones into event spaces or museums and, and cafes, things like that, huh? Yep. Every single one of our properties is now open to the public. When we first came, we needed to look for a model that would allow for the financial sustainability of these properties. A lot of the best way we thought to do that was um, turn them into museums and open them to the public. Um, we are the largest private collection um, in the Czech Republic as well. There are about, we've consolidated down to four castles now. Some of them are still, still need plenty more uh, repair. I was talking a little bit about Ronica, just to give you an idea of the size of it. My grandfather used to be able to um, bike down the corridors of the castle, actually. <laughs> and now it's still empty and you can, you're still actually able to do that. I used to scooter and do the exact same thing. <laughs> So right now we're trying to look for uses for these different properties. And we have Nella Hosevess as well, um, which I think you visited with your groups once, mm -hmm. and uh, the Lobkowitz Palace and Strzechov, which is um, on the Czech-German border, which is more of, the, more of a ruin. Gotcha. I'd say when, when we were coming back especially, we didn't really know what we were doing, to put it bluntly. <laughs> My mother who had come back was a teacher. My father had studied history and music, was working in real estate. And when we came back, we needed to navigate around the new post-communist government. We were going from place to place with a lawyer. Say what you will about the Nazis and communists, but they were excellent bookkeepers, you have to say. The Germans were incredibly organized and methodical, and so were the communists. When they took something away from you, they always gave you a receipt. I see. <laughs> so it definitely made it easier in some ways to follow this kind of paper trail. Even on the backs of a lot of these paintings, there's a Nazi inventory number and a swastika on the very back that they had just imprinted on. That they're still there today, even in Correct. the museum? One of our famous paintings, the Bruegel, has it on the back of the painting, the swastika. And it's wow. not something you can easily remove as well. But during restitution, mm -hmm. first off, we didn't know what we were going to get back. My father came back on kind of a, a fool's errand trying to put this uh, together and see maybe if we could get back some of the places that were so important to us, where my grandfather had grown up as well. For a long period of time, we were getting objects back and not any properties to hold them in. So we'd have to improvise and put together kind of crazy schemes to protect them. So for instance, all of our arms and armor we had gotten back before we got back any property. And we put it in our lawyer's cousin's shack, and then <laughs> kind of a summer shack. You may have heard of these uh, hatas, hatyas in um, the Czech Republic. They're like little huts in the countryside that you're able to uh, go to under communism, these tiny little buildings. So that's what we were kind of working with at first. <laughs> these are the little like the, the, the little mini, they're called hatas in, in Czech. I think yeah. I've seen them in Poland and Germany and maybe Austria or something. But it's these summer houses that are like little mini gardens. And if you look over it, it looks like a little dwarf village because these, these are tiny little summer huts that maybe have a bed or two and a stove and maybe a shower, but that's it. And so I'm just picturing this out in the countryside, your dad and the lawyer like bricking up the, the entrance to one of these huts in the Czech countryside 
countryside with medieval armor and and swords yep. inside. Yep. <laughs> Beautiful area of the countryside um, as well. It was great. But it couldn't have been a safer thing to do, actually. No one would expect to have mm-hmm. all this arms and armor in there. And then we'd go from place to place. We finally started reclaiming a lot of these properties. So what we were left trying to figure out is what do you do with these huge buildings? A building that's 250 rooms. Um, I mean, we have a kilometer and a half of a lot of our archival material. You just got to put it on Airbnb, man. I think that could be very interesting. We have to get the interest first. <laughs> the other problem you may have is that you won't have all uh, the amenities you might like. Um, showers, for instance, might be difficult to find in the building. Working plumbing, <laughs> electricity. You, you can advertise it as camp in a palace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was an idea, actually, I wanted to do with one of my friends. There was this board game called Diplomacy, mm-hmm. where you dress up as all these different figures. It's set in the fir- during the First World War. We were thinking of actually camping in the castle and um, playing this board game. We thought it would be a little bit of fun to do it in there. <laughs> that would be great. It was a dorky thing to be doing, but fun. <laughs> and hey, today uh, you are studying history at Harvard, and it's mm-hmm. Central European history. Is it uh, is it a track leading towards taking over the the family's interests and taking the Lobkowitz family into the 21st century? Um, well, my parents have always been very good about saying you can kind of lead whatever life uh, you want to lead. Thankfully, everything my parents do has a very holds a very important place in my heart, and so in the future, I don't think I, I'd, I'd like to return to the Czech Republic immediately. Um, however. In the far distant future, I would like to definitely be working with my family in some capacity, whatever way that may be. I, everyone talks about Prague and the uh, attraction to it. I, I love Boston. I love Cambridge here. But it's not home. I miss mm-hmm. Prague more than anything. I think it was Kafka who described Prague. He said, this little monster has long claws, um, <laughs> meaning that they were basically is the way it translates and and it always finds a way of kind of bringing you back it's hard to forget Prague. how do you say that in czech this little monster has long claws oh my goodness i think you're testing me now i haven't been using my check in a long period of time just trust me when i say has very long claws <laughs> something like that i've always had felt the the draw back to uh to prague as well i mean um my first ever tour that sold out was in prague and it sold out practically overnight and uh so i was like okay this is where i'm going to be hanging out this is where i'm going to be spending my time might as well get comfortable and make some friends and uh it's just it's central it's uh easy to get around on public transportation people are once you get past the hard check shell you understand that people are nice for the most part it's safe um easy to get around well connected to the rest of Europe, affordable, if I didn't say that already, and just a plain old good time. So uh, I definitely know what you mean by wanting to get back here. It's uh, it's yeah. funny, I'm calling you from Prague. So um, I'm here just above uh, the subway at Narodni Trida at a little studio Airbnb here. And it's, uh, it's just an incredible location and a lot of fun to be right on the edge of the old town and the new town. That's, that's incredible. I'm so jealous of you right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to coordinate and hopefully uh, cross paths sometime soon, buddy. Um, well, I want to say thank you so much for your time today. All the best to you and good luck on the studies. Keep it up and uh, give my best to the family as well, okay? I will. You might have to do it for me if you're in Prague. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess they're just down the road. I should go up and say yeah. hi. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again for your time, Will, and we'll be in touch, all right? Thanks again for listening. Find all show details, links, and tips at andysteves.com. 
You can connect with WSA Europe, Andy's tour company, at WSA Europe on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We'll see you next time. Happy travels.